Welcome to Allendale Market Talk Podcast. This is Greg McBride. I am joined this week by a very special guest, John Jenkinson. Now, you may know John from RFD TV or Rural Radio. John is one of the hosts. Uh, he's a market specialist for the Market Day uh, show on RFD, and then he uh, also does uh, a bunch of different shows across uh, uh, Sirius XM's uh, 147 on Rural Radio. So welcome to the show, John. Thank you very much, Greg. It's good to talk to you. And I don't know about special, but maybe special ed, but uh, <laughs> it, it is a joy and a pleasure to be here with you. Well, you just came from, uh, from doing a, uh, a recording. So um, what's, uh, what's your take on, uh, on how the markets are, are kind of back and forth here with uh, getting all this, uh, all this volume of, of sales to China, but yet we don't, we're not seeing corn go anywhere. I get to be on the, on the, uh, the asking side and I get your take on it. This <laughs> yeah, it's usually the other way around. You know, in, in, uh, in my own, I mean, you got to keep in mind too, that I'm still involved with a family farm at home. And so I go back to Kansas from time to time, uh, about every other weekend and get to visit with other fellow producers. Everybody, including uh, Marlon Bowling, who is my colleague here at uh, RFD TV and Rural Radio, we're scratching our heads. Uh, just for instance, we had a, a you know a couple of really big sales, really respectable sales. One of them, a an historic sale of corn from the United States to China. Yet the market just doesn't seem to rally much more than just a few dimes in those particular things. We had a, a sale of of soybeans that I would have thought the maybe would have have got the trade a little bit more excited just for the simple fact that we're tighter on stocks by ending stocks if everything works right uh, this year, then we are corn even. But uh, same thing, just it seems like the markets are either A, real lethargic to react to all of this with a, because of a thin volume or maybe a, not a lot of liquidity or B, Greg, it could be the fact that maybe this market has gotten burned so many times by China coming in here saying, we're gonna buy this, um, it shows up on an overnight sale and then two, three, four weeks later, well, we see a big cancellation. Mm -hmm. Or uh, there's a headline that says the United States and Chinese leaders are not getting along for whatever reason, uh, geopolitical. Yeah. So um, sometimes, just like you and, and just like many, scratch our heads at seeing these big overnight sales, expecting something big to happen in the market, hoping something big would happen in the market on the producer side, and it just doesn't come to fruition. However, I think that these opportunities uh, are, are something for the end users, ethanol producers, livestock producers, to be able to jump in here because if we continue, if for whatever reason we would have some kind of a weather event later down the road, particularly for soybeans, because we're almost to, almost past the top dead center for, for corn at this point, mm -hmm. but uh, this market could turn around pretty quick if all of the moons and stars line up. Yeah. Now, John, let's uh, let's rewind a little bit. Let's go back. Uh, uh, you mentioned that you still uh, you're still participating in the uh, the family farm in Kansas. How does a Kansas uh, farm boy end up uh, in Nashville on uh, radio and TV? You know, Greg, I'm still trying to figure that one out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it, it's kind of funny. Many years ago, I had the opportunity. I was a farm broadcaster uh, in Kansas, and I had the opportunity to go to Nashville and watch RFD TV live and in person uh, because I was there covering a conference. And I always thought it'd be really cool to work here. Um, and uh, then one day I got the phone call, asked me to, to come and be a part of the family here. Mm -hmm. And it's been a real blessing. But even before that, how I got into this business was 
Uh, I started farming in the 80s. And uh, anybody that's over the age of 45 years old will understand what that means. We were paying 18, 19, 20% interest on operating loans. Mm -hmm. And um, pretty soon it got to be pretty deep water. And so for the farm to survive and continue on and provide, either my dad or myself, one of us was going to have to leave the farm. Uh, I left the farm. My dad stayed, uh, continued to provide a very good living for him and my mom. And uh, I took a town job, and uh, I, the reason I got into this business was because a friend of mine said, you know, John, you got a pretty good voice, and you already understand markets, you understand agriculture. Uh, all you got to do is learn to be calm and talk on the radio, and that's, that's how I got here. Well, very good. Very good. Now, I, I understand, um, you know, you, uh, you're going back and forth uh, uh, between uh, Kansas and, and Nashville uh, every other week or so. Um, what I don't think everybody understands is, is you're actually doing the flying, right? Well, not, not back and forth between okay. the states. I do fly when I get home. But, oh, do uh, you? Okay. No, I take right. the I, yeah, no, no, no. I take the commercials going back and forth to Kansas. But when I do get home, um, I've got an airplane, Cessna 182 Skyline. Many uh, fellow pilots won't know exactly what that is. But that's how I get around um, when I get back home to go see family and relatives and uh, friends of mine. Is uh, I've been flying since, uh, since college days back in the uh, 80s. And um, in, in my part of Kansas, uh, we are so, you know, if we want to, for instance, if my wife and I want to go out to eat at, a, at an olive garden or uh, a Red Lobster, it's a four hour drive, but mm -hmm. it's only an hour and 45 minute airplane ride. So uh, we use the airplane in Western Kansas, like many people use their pickup. We chase parts with it. We go get groceries. We go out on dates. Uh, we use it for transportation just for the simple fact that our time is worth money. And so it's so much more economical for us to jump in the airplane, go somewhere, get a part, come back, and we can be back up and running uh, before it would have taken us time just to drive to the dealership to get parts. And so, well, you're yeah. not, you're not uh, having to fly out of, uh, out of Denver every, uh, every other week, are you? No. Uh, okay. In fact, Garden City, Kansas, 25 okay five miles from where I live uh, with a connection in Dallas. I so gotcha. um, it's, uh, it's pretty convenient. Yep. Now with, uh, with your, uh, with your situation here, you've, uh, you've gone back and forth. You've uh, you, you know, you got your start in, uh, uh, in radio and um, how have you seen uh, the whole thing uh, start to evolve here? Obviously, you know, one of the things that, uh, that we've seen in our industry is the, the advent of Twitter over the last, uh, you know, 10, 15 years. Uh, what is that doing when it comes to your your side of the uh, of the screen or uh, your side of the speaker when it comes to the news that's out there? Are you finding that it's 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 a help or it's a hindrance as far as where that uh, where that news is coming from? That's a great question, Greg. When I first got into this business, uh, the internet was still a fledgling. Uh, there wasn't much information up on the internet other than USDA. And so we had a lot of our news, we really had to take the microphone and the recorder and go out and talk to farmers. Um, we we kind of had to stay in tune with uh, National Association of Farm Broadcasting's uh, news service to kind of stay up on things. We still do that to a degree. But one of the, uh, one of the benefits that Twitter has, has, has helped with is the fact that um, I have TweetDeck on my desktop 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I have a a very select um, 
audience that I follow and that follow me, it's pretty narrow. So I don't do a lot of the political stuff, but I do have, uh, well, I follow you, <laughs> uh, uh, Allendale, but it's everybody that's in the industry. And mm -hmm. what I find fascinating is, is I also run right beside my tweet deck, an actual wire service. Um, it's, a, it's a Dow Jones wire, everybody's heard of that. But I can actually sometimes see news headlines hit quicker on Twitter than I can the wire service, just for the simple fact that there are more eyes watching the same Twitter feeds that I watch mm -hmm. and, and repeat it. Um, the other thing I like about Twitter is it's real time, real down to earth, grassroots information, because I have so many trusted farmers and ranchers that I follow all over the United States that I've come to have um, uh, great friendships and working relationships with, that they keep me really in touch um, even when I can't be there in person. And being in Nashville and, and with the travel restrictions and things, it's very advantageous for me to be able to get the news right straight from the producer. And I've found that to be um, just extremely valuable. And I appreciate all of those, uh, those relationships that I have on that account. Yeah, I know that we've, uh, we've really uh, found that uh, when it comes to, you know, say uh, cash cattle trade, we, we find out about that before it hits the newswire. And, you know, all of a sudden you see the, the market move and what was that? You go to Twitter and it's almost immediately there. It's like, well, there it was a 97 trade. That's why we bumped, you know, a dollar in the last minute or two. So it's, yeah. it's, it's really nice to get that. Sometimes there is a little bit of, you know, misinformation, but uh, you know, if you have that trusted, those trusted sources that you're following, it definitely is uh, is a big deal to, uh, to keep that, uh, keep you in the know and, and get an idea of what's going on. It's almost like just, you know, making sure that you own like having the TV on, uh, throughout the day and understanding what's going on in the business world, you know, that Twitter, uh, that Twitter feed can, uh, can keep up with it and sometimes uh, exceed it as far as what's going on in, uh, in the markets as we go. So very Absolutely. cool. Now Absolutely. with, uh, with the way that uh, things have gone over the last, uh, say five months here, um, <laughs> what was the impact uh, for you guys, uh, um, whether it was radio, whether it was TV, uh, with, uh, with the COVID uh, uh, situation? Were, uh, I know, obviously, there was some social distancing when it came to news, but um, were, you, were you based out of uh, a home studio? Were you in the, off, or in the studio uh, in Nashville all the time, or how did that work out? Patrick Gotch, who is the owner and founder of RFD TV and Rural Radio, was very forward thinking. And in the very early stages, he said, you know what? He says, I want you guys to uh, uh, not travel. I want you to stay put. Um, so I stayed here in Nashville uh, from about the 1st of March uh, is when that, all that got started. And then he also um, instituted a, uh, an experiment where we actually did radio and TV programs from our residences just to make sure we still could do it. Now, I only live about a half a block from, from the studio. So uh, for me, it wasn't a big deal. I could just walk across the street, but we did do everything remotely uh, to make sure that if all of a sudden they did close the doors at the office and we couldn't go in, we couldn't uh, travel at all, uh, that we could still get the programming on the air. And so we did that. Um, it was very, very strange uh, for, for me because being on Music Row in Nashville, right in the center of everything, and seeing the town just like a ghost town, just like um, uh, my hometown of Montezuma, Kansas, 
at six o'clock in the evenings when nothing's <laughs> happening on Main Street. That's exactly what Nashville Music Row was like, which was very, very strange. Um, just a lot of different oddities. And we were able to work through all of that logistically through the foresight of Mr. Gotch, which uh, we're very, very grateful for. Yeah, we're, you're right. We uh, all don't sit at one desk anymore. We have separate desks uh, on the set. So we changed that up. Uh, we all took great precautions. Um, not anybody that I know of that I work with here in this building actually got sick, but everybody was taking the extra precautions. What amazed me was just the, the depth of what this did to the um, grain and livestock market. Mm -hmm. um, I knew it would have some effect, but never would I have ever imagined it would have the effect that it did to get us clear back down into uh, levels like we've seen here, you know, corn down 330, 320. Crude oil, uh, what was it, the April month that went clear to zero yep. and then sub-zero. Yep. Um, never in my life would I have ever, and I didn't expect to ever see cash cattle trade under a buck a pound after the Tyson fire. Right. And so all of that really, uh, really surprised me just how negatively it affected well, the, the, the markets, of course, but the economy as well. Right. Well, and, and with you guys, uh, uh, you know, you're trying to trying to stay non-biased and, and trying to just give give people the facts. You know, it's, it's got to be, uh, it's got to be interesting when you talk to, uh, to different analysts, you know, when, when I get on there, or when Steve gets on there, or anybody else that uh, from other firms or, or other uh, walks of life that get on there and, and hearing the different uh, perspectives and the different, uh, uh, the different thoughts that the, that everybody has on, on what's going on. I'm sure it was, uh, you know, going from one interview to the next was like, well, I feel really great about it. And then it was like, oh, man, this thing's going to be, and it's all going to end poorly. It's going all going to zero. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the advantages I, I think I had was the fact of going back and forth to Kansas. When I, uh, and I didn't get to go back to Kansas until the 1st of May. But I did stay in touch through Twitter and through social media and through um, private uh, text messages with a lot of the producers back home. They were still working. They were still doing a job because at that time we were in Western Kansas, we were pre-watering for corn. Uh, we were still in a drought at that point or the beginnings of a pretty strong drought. So we were pre-watering for corn. We were still doing some fertilizing. Uh, most of the fall field work had gotten done, but we were on the cusp of planting the, the, uh, this year's corn crop. Mm -hmm. And so many of those producers just had to keep, keep going. And it was really difficult for a lot of them because it's hard, and I've been there before, it's hard to sit in that tractor seat and turn around and look out your back window at planting and get all excited when you hear on the radio or you look on your phone uh, that corn is, you know, down here in that 333, 20 level. Um, and then, you know, the basis would take even more away from that. Mm -hmm. uh, that it, it takes a lot of fortitude to just go ahead and keep your chin up and put a crop in. And I know that that's what our producers are great at. Yeah. Now I understand that uh, um, uh, the Sirius XM channel uh, had an, uh, an anniversary uh, today or this week or something like that. Uh, what was that about? Uh, seven years that uh, Sirius XM has been on the radio, rural radio. Um, it's, it's quite an honor. Um, it serves an audience. Think about it. Uh, we can't always be around the television. And so to be able to simulcast market day report, also provide other reports and other programs throughout the day, specifically tailor-made to agriculture is truly a blessing. And I, 
I consider that uh, a real a real opportunity each and every day to uh, keep everybody informed. You know, we've got the uh, two uh, commodity uh, wrap programs, both in the morning and the evening mm-hmm. on rural radio. And uh, so today we, um, we celebrated the seventh year on the air uh, since rural radio got started and it's devoted nothing but to the rural lifestyle. And uh, what a, what a great opportunity that is. And it's not just in the United States, it's in Canada as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a big audience over there, just about as big as what we do on television. Yeah. Now, I, I know uh, there's been once or twice uh, where I've, uh, I've been on your radio show on, uh, on like a Wednesday morning or something like that. And you've been on location uh, when we've, we've done that. What are some of the, what are some of the, big, the best memories that you have from uh, either being on location or just being out uh, and, uh, and interviewing people? What are some of the best, uh, the best memories that you have from that? <laughs> you know, one of my favorite things about this job and particularly when it comes to radio and, and, the, and the broadcast that we do is just getting out and talking to other producers. Um, that is, it's, it's an education and it's a reinforcement of why we do this job. Um, you know, sitting on a, in a studio on Music Row and reporting on this is one thing, but to be able to go out into the public and talk to the people that are making it happen, hear their stories, and ask them what's on their minds and meet them at their point of need. That is a real calling that I take in Marlin and everybody here at Rural Radio take very, very serious. Mm-hmm. And it is, that's, there's not just one event. It's every time we go to Farm Progress. It's every time we go to the, um, farm, the National Farm Machinery Show. It's mm-hmm. every time I go back home to a farm show or a state fair. It's being in re- and interacting with that audience uh, and with you folks in the, in the, in the trade too, uh, that makes this job so worth it. I learn so much every time we get to talk to you and Rich Nelson and uh, Steve Georgie and everybody there at Allendale. Um, that's what makes this job really rewarding. And even though I miss the farm and I'd be back on the farm in a heartbeat, uh, this is the next best thing that I'll always treasure. Well, I got to believe this is a little bit like a drug for you. I mean, you get that that excitement of uh, of being on TV, being on the radio, and and it's you know, you, as as much as you say, as, you know, I'd go back to the farm in a heartbeat. I imagine you'd miss it just a little bit too much to give up the uh, the the broadcast life. I think. Well, I I don't know. You know, that's the funny thing about it, Greg. I never got into this job because I wanted to be a radio or TV star. I got into this job because. Uh, I, I wanted to provide for my family mm-hmm. and I wanted to carry the message. There were so many times when I was on the farm that I would listen to a, a uh, non-farm media. I think that's the best way to put it. And they would try to tell the story of agriculture and I'd be jumping up and down in my seat saying, no, 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 that's not right. You don't understand. You didn't tell the whole story. You don't that's understand crazy. what we do out here. So that's what really uh, inspires me each day is to just come to the microphone or sit down in front of the camera and tell the story from a farmer's point of view rather than from somebody who has never lived it. You cannot fully appreciate farmers and ranchers and rural America until you've actually lived it. You, you've experienced it. You've, uh, you've crawled up in the back of a combine on a day when it's 110 to uh, change a bearing. Until you've um, you know stayed up all hours of the uh, day waiting for the wind to go down so you could spray sometime and mm-hmm. and get the chemical on at the right time until you've 
live that, there's no way to explain it. And anybody you pull off the street cannot relate to the ag audience like you can if you've, if you've been down that road. Well, I think that's the, that's the allure of, uh, of RFD and, and rural radio is that, you know, you do come from that background and you've got that authenticity. You've got that, uh, you're an advocate for the farmer. Uh, and, you know, you do bring the, uh, the, the knowledge of what it takes to, to do that. And, and, you know, that's, that's exactly, I think that's exactly what everybody, when they watch that, uh, uh, is is looking for they want to know that the people that are bringing bringing them the news have some idea what they're talking about you know you watch it on sometimes when it's on fox news or fox business or or cnbc and and they've got somebody on there that you know could just as well be talking about wine country but uh, they're they're at a pig farm or something like that and it's like i don't think they have any idea what they're talking about (laughs) (laughs) well i have brought some of my scars back to work with me i go home on the weekends you know and and uh i'll be doing something and i'll bang my head on something or i'll i'll smash my finger or something i'll come back and i'll see that battle scar on tv for about the next three to four days and (laughs) invariably somebody from church will stop me and say what was, what was on here for it? No, that's just where I scraped. <laughs> that's just where I scraped it getting up. So, <laughs> well, that's that's good to know. You are still keeping your hands dirty as you uh, you get up, you get back uh, to the to the home farm and uh, and get to work. And yeah, that's that's great. So, what uh, what's next for uh, uh, for RFD and and rural radio for you, John? What uh, where do you go from here? I know there's probably a lot of uh, a lot of shows that have been canceled. Anything that's uh, that's coming up that where you guys are gonna be anywhere that they've scheduled for you that you know of yet? We've been real careful about our scheduling. Uh, we were going to try to attend some some fairs uh, and it's, you know, with a lot of the fairs being canceled, we're just being very cautious because we've got to take into consideration the health of our uh, our fellow employees here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they are very concerned about us. They want to take good care of us and keep us healthy. And so we're being kind of cautious at this point, but uh, at some point, at some juncture when things start to loosen up a little bit, yeah, we would, we need to get back out and we'd like to start doing some of these tours. I was really looking forward to wheat tour this year, the uh, wheat quality tour. I've been on that tour many times over my career Mm -hmm. and that's always a a great time. And I didn't get to do that this year and didn't get to participate so much in some of the, some of the harvest uh, cavalcades that uh, went through either. So um, we're going to, we're going to continue to stay in touch keep people informed about uh, virtual meetings, uh, mm-hmm. the virtual, you know, that's one of the things we had to learn to do this year was the virtual wheat tour. Uh, that was one of the first ones right out of the box that we had to kind of figure out how to, and Twitter was a big part of that. We yeah. saw a lot of pictures on Twitter and, right. and really reached out to a lot of our audience. Hey, share us some pictures, show us what you're seeing. Uh, tell us what, tell us what you think of your crop. And so we've had to shift here just a little bit, but it's taught us to be diversified. And I think that was important. Very good. Well, let's do a quick, uh, quick lightning round here. Uh, I'm going to ask you a couple of uh, questions and you can uh, give me your, your quick, uh, quick and dirty answer. If you've got, if you want to <laughs> jump a, and give me a little extra info on it, that's fine. But uh, um, you know, being a farm boy, uh, uh, my favorite tractor that I always ran uh, on our farm was the John Deere 4020. It seemed like everybody has them, but oh. I just, just a great tractor. Did everything. What was your favorite or what is your favorite tractor? My favorite tractor is the old yellow and orange 1370 case. And second would have to be um, a Steiger Panther. 
Mm, okay. Growing up, we had both. Okay, I got gotcha. you. All right. What uh, What is your favorite airplane? Cessna 182. All the one that you've got. <laughs> yep. If I had my choice, though, if I had my choice, um, probably I would I would have a B-25 Mitchell. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go on to because uh, I've heard I, the you know I I know a few people here at Elmdale. I've heard there's a uh, I think it's a Mustang uh, that's in your family there. Um, yes. Is that a uh, is that a show car? Yes, it is. Uh, in fact, it's not one Mustang. There's several Mustangs in our family. My dad, and my sister have always been Mustang fans, and then when I got married, I found out that my wife was a Mustang fan, so she has a '68 coupe. My sister has a 69 coupe and my dad's got a, uh, let's see, he's got a, he's got a 69 fastback. He's got a 71 fastback and he's got an 83 GT. So uh, yeah, we're a, we're a Mustang crew. So that, is that your, uh, is that your dream car? The, uh, the, the Mustang then, or is there some, there one other one out there that's kind of the. Uh, no, uh, my favorite car and, we right now my wife and i have a c6 which is uh the two generations ago corvette but my favorite car is the old c3 corvette that was that was my sports car of choice uh for, for a long long time i had that before we got married and uh, that's that's my that's my choice well i i grew up with uh, with my dad uh uh always running chevelles he uh, oh, yeah. he loved the, yeah. the 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 ss396 that oh just he loved that. He showed it. And it was, I mean, it was just, it, he, he used to tell me that he had all these nice things until he had to, to get married and have kids. So, you know, <laughs> horses, boats, you name it. So absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Well, John, I, I appreciate you ha- you having the time to, uh, to come onto the show and, and uh, we'll look forward to, to having you again. And I'll tell you one of the, the one of the things that I really enjoy uh, is your energy and your passion for when uh, when I talk to you, uh, you know, on a weekly basis or, or whenever it's 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 always fun to uh, to get on there and talk. I know the the other guys uh, here in the office, same thing. Talking to you, talking to Marlon when we get on RFD and 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 XM, it's always we always walk out of it with a big smile and and you know that was fun. That was good. What I really appreciate about you is your your interview style. You'll throw up the, the softballs to us, but you let us talk. You know, that's one of the great things is that you, you kind of say, I'm going to leave this open. You just hit it out of the park. Go. So yeah. definitely well, appreciate it. Thank you, John. That, uh, that feeling is mutual. You folks there at Allendale, we have you on several times. And of course, Rich Nelson every morning and um, everybody there top-notch professionals. Uh, we, couldn't, we couldn't ask for a better partnership with you folks. And uh, I always learn something every time I talk to you guys because I'm, I'm still a student of the markets. I don't know it all and I never will, but uh, I learn something from you folks every time and you guys really are spot on. And you have the ability, Greg, yourself, to be able to look at things that I didn't think about in these markets. And so I always come away going, you know, Greg had a great point. So uh, keep, you guys keep up the good work as well. All right. Well, we appreciate it. All right. From Allendale Market Talk Podcast, this is Greg McBride. I was joined by John Jenkinson. If you uh, need anything from us here at Allendale, you can get us at uh, allendale-inc.com or you can get a hold of me directly, 815-578-6165. Thank you. Mm-hmm.